Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Talking About Podcast. I am your host, as always, Daniel Olinger, joined by Sean Kennedy. And, Sean, we are joined today by a guest who is way overqualified to only be making his first appearance on the Talking About Pod. Absolutely, I would agree with that. Um, Sixers played the Raptors yesterday, so even though they're playing in Tampa, Toronto is still the only international team in the league. So we, we thought we'd bring an international guest on the pod. We have Tom West, who's an associate editor for here for us here at Liberty Ballers. And he's over in the UK. So a lot of, a lot of late nights for Tom covering the Sixers, but we appreciate all the hard work he puts on. And uh, Tom, welcome to the pod. Thanks for having me on, guys. Good to uh, make my first appearance. Tom, what time is it there right now? It is just gone 5 p.m. See, that's so weird because so for me... I like I watched I did not watch the Sixers game live. I had to watch Northwestern's basketball game and write about that afterwards. Then at like 3 a.m. Eastern time, I watched the Sixers Raptors like by myself. And that, so I just like my sleep schedule is all out of whack. I like just woke up. So <laughs> I, I just can't believe like Tom. I just woke up. Tom's probably like 70 percent of the way through his day. <laughs> Yeah, my sleep schedule's been a bit off as well recently because when I'm working, obviously, I have mm. to get up. Even though I've been working at home through COVID and all that, I still have to get up by nine at the latest. So I can't stay up insanely late for basketball games. But while I've been off over the holiday period, yeah, like I just said to Sean before we started recording, like I got to sleep about 3 a.m. after the game, which isn't ideal, but it's uh, it's good fun doing when you have good games to stay up for. So. Yeah, you eventually get used to the time difference. <laughs> it's certainly better than watching the game at 3 a.m. But uh, yeah. Um, so speaking of said game, the Sixers beat the Raptors last night, 193. They were trailing through most of the first half and well into the third quarter before a late run at the end of the third helped them tie the game. And then after trailing a little bit more for a large portion of the fourth quarter, they tied things up around the around I think five minutes left and then kind of surged ahead and that's for there a uh, very good game from Joel Embiid again and also a very good game from Tobias Harris so when we post when Sean posted the Liberty Ballers bell ringer piece on the site there was mainly the votes were between those two so guys what did you think of the game last night I mean I think it was yeah I wasn't expecting the turnaround <laughs> I think I was expecting a, a pretty negative podcast at first, you know, watching the first half, the way things were shaken out, seeing some of the same sort of offensive issues, things being a bit more stagnant, um, similar issues with Ben, you know, not always being as aggressive as he needed to be. 
Um, but yeah, it really, really sort of turned around through the second half. Obviously, there was the scare with Embiid's potential injury. So, you know, relief that he was he was all right. Um, yeah, just a dominant game from him. Again, you know, he's been amazing through the first three games, really. Um, pretty much as good as you could expect, I think. And he's definitely starting to show some more of that um, improved passing and, you know, better handling of double teams that he sort of showed a bit last season. But it looks like he's continuing that. And obviously the the added shooting helps him, gives him a bit more space to work with and he actually has some reliable options. Like I know everyone made this comment, but Seth Curry hitting that massive three in like the final minute is not a shot that we're used to seeing sixes make. Uh, so that was huge. Um, and yeah, like you mentioned, a really good game from Tobias Harris. I think that was easily his best game of the season. Just being more decisive, making quicker decisions, you know, beating some closeouts, getting to the rim, firing his threes right away. I thought he moved the ball quite well and played good defence. So there were definitely some positives there. And just the overall team's defence sort of sharpening up in the second half after a bit of a shaky start. Re- regarding that, every, every, yeah, everyone made that comment about Seth's game-clinching shot, I guess we want to call it, and saying, well, oh, Sixers never hit that. I will not be here for the J.J. Redick erasure. J.J. <laughs> hit a number of those shots. And uh, we had a couple Jimmy Butler like big shots down the stretch sprinkled in but yeah i'm kidding a little bit but yeah it was obviously great to hit see seth step up hit that big shot he's he played really great in a lot of different areas he's really flashed some good playmaking skills as like a secondary ball handler and there was a stretch later in the game where doc kind of put the ball in his hands in the half court um and it worked out pretty well um joel continues to play great the Sixers look like they're going to be terrific whenever he's out there. Uh, the good news is Joel rarely misses games. He's he's the model of being able to stay on the court at all times. So that, that should bid really well for the Sixers. Um, yeah, and, but uh, seriously, I think the, the biggest thing is Doc getting through to Tobias and having him play quicker. And we've seen not only in the Toronto game, but even against Cleveland when that was – mostly a disaster for the Sixers and Tobias was one of the few bright spots. Um, So the last two games he's played really well and either firing it up right away or deciding he's not going to giving a quick pump fake kind of ducking into the elbow. If that shot's there, he's taking it or he's making a quick decision and making the right read to swing the ball. So offensively we're seeing the hints of the, the old Tobias, if we want to call it that. And, and he's looked pretty good defensively too. So just getting him to the point where he can on some nights be a really positive contributor, be like one of the team's two best players like he was last night, that, that'd be great. Um, but just to the point where he's not hurting them and he was hurting them the first couple games. So just being a, a guy that can really fit in and complement the, the stars that the team has is a big step forward. So hopefully we continue to see that from him going forward. Yeah. So my thoughts on what you guys said right there, completely agree with the points about Tobias Harris the last two games uh, and yeah I hope it was Doc Rivers telling him that but it also could have been like he was seeing a lot of fans say Toby needs to be quicker with his decisions you know like example number 1000 that booing actually works or criticizing the players does work sometimes <laughs> but um then do artificial booze work that's that's the question we're going to solve this season we will solve that um, <laughs> did you see that i think someone posted this that the sixers have did not lose a game in 2020 in philadelphia yep that, yeah, yeah. They're, yeah they're, their last home game in philadelphia they lost was in 
2019. So it was last season, but not in the calendar year 2020. Yeah. And then obviously they were in the bubble for a large portion of that. So fun, mm-hmm. fun stat. Um, hope, hope it continues. That'd be great. Yeah. And then speaking about Seth Curry, I kind of had this thought just, I know what you're saying about JJ Redick and that Seth is very, very good. He's not have JJ Redick same speed and burst coming off those dribble handoffs. Like JJ exploded out of those actions to the point where it was just amazing how much open space he would get, whereas Seth is a little more deliberate. So it's, and while I still think Seth is very good and I think he's a better defender, probably a, a better passer, he just, I'm just pointing out that he is really not that much. He's not the same caliber of offensive weapon that JJ Redick was using those dribble handoffs with Joel Embiid. But then speaking about Embiid, I mean, man, he is. So this is what, this is actually where I wanted to go to because I wrote down a lot of buy or sell takes that I wanted to get your guys' reaction on. Um, if Joel Embiid plays like this the rest of the season, do you think he's finishing top five in MVP voting? I would say yes. If he plays like this all season, and I think part of that, though, will have to be where the Sixers finish in the East. I think if they're a good story and, you know, they're maybe the fourth or third seed, uh, I could see that. Um, if they struggle and they slip sort of in the bottom half of the playoff picture, I'm going to probably lean no. What do you think, Sean? I think it's definitely possible. He would have to stay healthy and play 62-plus games in the 72-game season. Uh, he could miss the occasional game here or there like he did with the back tightness against Cleveland. But yeah, any stretch of missing two to three weeks, I think would automatically place him out of the running in the MVP conversation uh, just because the league is such in such a good place and you have Luca and Giannis and a handful of other guys who are, you know, barring like season-ending injuries to those guys, they're going to be there. Um, yeah, if Joel continues to put up 28 and 12 every night and as you mentioned the Sixers finish in the top three or so in the east uh, that's definitely possible he definitely has the narrative of the nights he sits they completely fall apart and look like a lottery team which is something voters and the public in general take notice of and you, you always see those kind of pithy quotes like if a guy's injured and the team plays terrible, like that's the best MVP uh, argument that could have been made. So there's something to that with Joel as well. So yeah, he's, he's playing like an MVP every night, what that he's been out there. So I I don't see why that wouldn't be a possibility. Yeah. Like you said, Sean, averaging just over 28 points and 13 rebounds per game currently. And honestly, more impressive to me is Joel's defense, especially in pick and rolls, the way he just, like, like, you can see the difference when they play the Cavs and Sexton and Garland get all those open floaters of seemingly no contest. You understand how Joel does such a good job, uh, such a good job dropping back on a rolling big while also staying just close enough that he kind of bothers those guards once they get into the lane. It's just really incredible how much of an impact he has on this team. Uh, one thing I wanted to throw out there is just how good the Sixers starting lineup has been so far. So offensively, they're still not great. They're currently 38th percentile amongst all lineups with over a hundred possessions played this year with an, in terms of offensive rating at 101.6 points per 100, kind of similar to some of the Sixers lineups we saw last year, which is just, that's not a very good mark, 
but defensively, they're only allowing 93.5 points per 100, 100 percentile in the league. Basically, if you throw Danny Green, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons out there and put two, you know, not great defenders, but smart defenders and Tobias and Seth Curry out there, you're just going to, they are locking people down right now at that end of the floor. Wow. Yeah, that, the defensive numbers are slightly better than I realized. I've not checked those yet, but that's, yeah, I think that's probably the, the strongest sort of element of their team so far. And I know like through training camp um, and, you know, preseason in the build up to games like Doc and a few of the players felt that the defense was further along than the offense. Um, I don't think that's surprising given some of the changes they've wanted to make. It's probably a bit easier to sort of get their defense set first. And obviously if you have Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, like you have the makings of an elite defense just in those two, if you have competent pieces around them. Um, And yeah, just like you said about Embiid in the pick and roll and in his interior defense, like just watching some of the plays he prevents happening against the Raptors, like, I think his, even though his block numbers have gone down and he's not, you know, as sort of bouncy as he was, you know, when his NBA career started. Um, and I know that bothers some fans. Like, he's absolutely got better at just preventing shots. I think he's better at using his presence to prevent layups and floaters now than he used to be, even though he's not necessarily jumping for blocks as much. Uh, so if he keeps, yeah, if he keeps playing like that and they can maintain a top defense, like, that's going to be really helpful for them because that was a bit disappointing last year, you know, given the pieces they had, I think they were eighth defensively, but yeah, that wasn't as eight. good. Yeah. But that wasn't as good as they should have been. Like we all thought that there'd be offensive problems, which were, you know, as bad as <laughs> anyone could have expected, but we thought at least they'd have maybe, you know, the best defense to sort of balance things out a little bit. Um, so I'm interested to see mostly if the effort is consistent and how they maintain that on the road. Cause that was the only real problem with their defense last year. Yeah, anyone who thinks that, like, block numbers are a portion of rim protection defense, but anyone who thinks that your rim protection is solely based on your block numbers thinks Hassan Whiteside is anything but a net negative on the basketball court. Just, so yeah, I completely agree. Joel, Joel cannot block a shot in a game and he'd still probably protect the rim like a beast. It's what he does. That yeah. play where he stepped up to take a charge. Oh, my gosh. It got oh, dished yeah. to Aaron Baines, who was his man behind him. And Baines went up for what, in most cases, would have been a wide-open dunk. And Joel had the instincts and athletic ability to, to turn around, block Baines at the rim cleanly, and then in the ensuing loose ball when the, the Raptors then went up for the kind of like put-back layup and it missed, Joel was still able to have recovered enough to get the offense, the, the defensive rebound. That alone, like, it showed everything Joel can do. He, he made the right play to step, come off his man and help his team when a man had been beaten. And then he still had the ability to recover, make the block, and then stay with the play and finish through until he was able to grab the ball. Like, that that was Joel Embiid's defensive impact kind of in a nutshell. It, it was a mini two-on-one that he completely blew up. He blocked a shot from an opposing center when he first tried to take a charge on a player like five feet away. That's just – I mean, again, I, I think I when I tweeted this out, that clip out about Ben Simmons' block against the Wizards – in their first game, I was saying, I don't know how many guys in the league can do what Ben does. I trying to off the top of my head, maybe the other two guys who could do what Joel did on that player, like Giannis and Anthony Davis. Can you guys think of anybody else who could make those plays? I mean, 
Rudy Gobert, maybe, but yeah, it's a very small list. That, I don't know, even know if Rudy's that quick to do that. I mean, he's not Rudy, as quick twitch athlete, yeah, because yeah. he's a great defender. But I just like that is insane recovery speed right there. Yeah, maybe yeah. LeBron if he's trying in the playoffs, maybe. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's a short list for sure. Um, but yeah, defensively, they've looked great. I think we're kind of seeing the impact of Dan Burke coming over from Indiana and the drop back defense is a thing of the past. Joel's doing a lot more hard hedging and coming out to blow up the pick and roll and picking his spots in that regard. And it, it the results are looking a little better in the early going. Um, it helps not to have another center on the court having to guard power forwards like they had with Horford last year. So the pieces fit better. And as both of you mentioned, you you have Joel and Ben who both have defensive player of the year type ceilings. And then you have Danny Green, who's a little long in the tooth, but you know, all defensive type player in his prime and still very good. So yeah, the scheme scheme works better. The pieces work better and you still have the top talent on the defensive end. So they should definitely be uh, among the better teams in the league this year in that department, which is encouraging. Okay, so one thing I wanted to quickly tackle is the Sixers are three and one right now, but their three wins you can make an argument aren't looking great just at the moment. The Wizards are zero and four and just got kind of handled by the Bulls. The Knicks actually have the best record of any team they've played. The Knicks are right now shooting. Knicks currently lead the league in three point percentage, which is hilarious. But they uh, they beat the Knicks, who I mean, obviously just you know, not a great team. And the Raptors are 0-3. I, I'm just wondering, do we think at all that these are – I mean, you would think the Sixers win over the Raptors is probably their best win so far. But are you guys at all concerned? Like, the, the buy or sell take I wrote down was, are the Raptors still a top six team in the East? Which I think I'd lean yes, but I'm not, like, entirely sure. The Rap, you, As you can see last night, the Raptors' offense, they're really missing – like the big shot creator they need. And I'm still convinced Pascal Siakam's only good game against the Sixers in his whole career was game one of that the playoff series in 2019. That he hasn't played well against them since. But yeah, what do you guys make of the Sixers beating three teams who aren't exactly setting the world on fire so far? I mean, I think I'm not too impressed by the record. I don't think you can take too much from it. Like you said, they've not played some great teams. I think I probably agree with you in the Raptors being a little further down the east. I'd say they're probably around that sort of sixth seed range. Um, mm. But I, I do still think they're a good team. Um, like you said, they're kind of missing that shot creator. Like they don't have someone who can really sort of create uh, at a super high level in terms of like, you know, attacking the rim and that sort of thing. They don't have, a, you know, really sort of explosive driver and that kind of thing. Um and that helps, but they do have obviously a lot of good players. <laughs> They've got great coaching, um, and they do have more roster continuity than, you know, for instance, the Sixers. Um, I know that was something that Doc was concerned about when he first looked at the schedule. Um, so I do think that ye- yesterday was a pretty challenging game for them. Um, you know, we saw in the first half the difficulties that it had before they turned things around. Um, so I think there are definitely some encouraging things to take away. Um, you know, like we talked about a bit, you know, some of the defensive adjustments, Dan Burke, um, they are making some good sort of stylistic changes, I think offensively and defensively. Um, but there's still, 
yeah, there's definitely still reason for concern, I think, just for the fact that they've not beaten great teams yet. And obviously, the offence has still had some issues, you know, whether it's Tobias Harris's decision-making, like, he really needs to maintain that. You know, if it's been great the last couple of games, but whether or not that maintains throughout the season is a different story. And I think, you know, Ben's been a little bit disappointing so far, just like his aggressiveness hasn't always been there. Um, I think that's a bit of an issue, you know, when he's he's still doing those sort of drives to the rim where he's thinking about a pass rather than looking to, you know, go through contact to make a layup. And he's jumping into the air to throw a pass, which can just leave him in trouble. And then they still lack that sort of go-to perimeter creator um, that they needed, um, which was, you know, an issue last season. I think that's still the case this year. So, yeah, I think there's reason for concern, but I also think that it's been four games, so I'm not going to worry too much about their record. And I always think they were going to start slowly on offense this year. Um, They said it themselves enough, and it's just understandable given the changes they've made. They're trying to implement some, you know, a bit of a new system, more pick and roll play. And they had such a short off season, you know, two preseason games, a couple of guys missed time in training camp. Like they've just really not had much time together yet. So I think a slow start and some not super convincing wins against bad teams is kind of what, you know, you should expect. Uh, so I'm not going to get too excited about their record, but I think there's some promising things developing at least. I'm, I'm selling concern as well. It, you can only beat the teams they put in front of you. So Sixers have won. Unless they're every, the Cavs. Well, every game that Joel Embiid has played, they've won. <laughs> um, and as I said earlier, Joel will always be out there. I have no no worries in that department whatsoever. So he, uh, yeah, when they've had their full complement of stars on the court, uh, we've discussed the defense at length. That has looked great. And Tom astutely just pointed out how shortened the offseason was and Doc hasn't even been able to pull out his full playbook yet that he wanted to install. He's still kind of doing it in bits and pieces so that he doesn't overwhelm the guys because they didn't have the full training camp and preseason and everything else they usually would have had in a normal season to put that stuff into place. So it's still going to be a work in progress on the offensive end and some guys have looked good, some haven't. Danny Green isn't going to continue to shoot as poorly as he had in the early, as he has in the early going. Um, so once you know guys like him start hitting shots a little more to their career averages, I think the offense will look a little bit better. Like we saw in Toronto against Toronto uh, yesterday, how the team was just getting a lot of open looks, and the offense in spurts was running how you would want it to run, and the shots just weren't going in. And uh, Doc kind of laughed about that after the game and said, you know, those are the games you like to win where you're missing those open shots, but you still kind of grind away and you do just enough to pull away and win the game in the end. That's uh, it's a real, it was a real character win in his opinion. So, yeah, I mean, they beat Toronto. I I still think Toronto's going to be a good team. I'm not going to read too much into an 0-3 start to the season for them. And uh, yeah, as as for the other wins they had, those are the games you have to win, you know? You can't, if if they had slipped up and lost, I'm sure we would have been panicking. So I'm not going to knock them for beating teams that they should. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not too worried about all that. And uh, I'm looking more towards guys improving in the areas they needed to improve and things starting to look smoother out on the court as far as the offensive execution than uh, worried about 
their opponents so much. That was exactly my thoughts watching the game last night is that the Sixers offense, the whole night, I thought they were getting tons of great shots. Just like you said, weren't falling. It happens to everybody and it's a great game to win. Um, Upcoming game for the Sixers is against the Orlando Magic. If you listen to the Gastro Blues pod on Monday on the Liberty Baller pod, Liberty Ballers podcast feed, which you should all subscribe to, um, they were talking about just how how much they're dreading the Orlando game. As many Sixers fans will know, the Sixers do not have a great history with the Magic. Every game seems to end just in very frustrating fashion as they the Sixers drown in Evan Fournier pull-up jumpers, but... Terrence Ross will have six threes. It'll be <laughs> it'll be annoying. But um, quick quick uh, stat for you guys: uh, the Sixers and the Magic have played 118 total regular season games in their history. What do you? What's your closest guess for the all time record between the two teams? Hmm. Orlando is winning the series 65 to 53. Tom? Sounds like it sounds like a good guess. I'll go with that. Yeah, something like that. Orlando is winning the series. They're winning it seventy nine to thirty nine. Yikes! Wow. Yeah, that's what exactly what I thought too. Um, it's not even that too much of about recent history. The Magic had a stretch from 08 to twenty ten where they won eight in a row, which hurt. And then the process era, a lot of Magic wins. Although the Sixers, if I remember correctly did have a few wins with the Magic during some of those leaner years, especially the one TJ McConnell game winner. Still very much remember that. Daniel, I can't believe you would remember a TJ McConnell game winner. <laughs> <laughs> I, it just plays on a loop when I open up my phone. I have a little, like, <laughs> little recording. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so another Sixers buy or sell I wanted to go with you guys is do we think Ben Simmons is still going to be an all-star this year? Not whether or not he deserves it, but do you think he's going to get selected? Because his offense is not looking great right now. Fourth year running, it doesn't seem like he's changed too much, if anything. Defensively, still unbelievable. Probably a first-team all-defense selection. But I, I just wanted to ask you guys, like, do you think Ben might miss the all-star team? I think... There's definitely a, a chance of that. I'm going to lean positive and say I'm buying that he does eventually make it. Um, I'm going to hold out a bit of more positive approach maybe than some fans in that I do think he's going to look better on offense as the season goes. I'm not expecting loads of development or you know him adding things to his game. Um, like you mentioned, it has been a bit of a disappointing start. And I said like you know his aggressiveness, for instance, is still a bit of a concern. But I do think some of the things that Doc and Sam Cassell, who's been working a lot with Simmons, want to address in terms of really drilling in how aggressive he needs to be attacking the basket, pushing the pace. Um, you know, Cassell's been working on him with his finishing as well. Um, I think some of the things they probably want to change in terms of his mentality, at least, I think that's going to take a bit of time. You know, we've talked about the short off-season. They've only had a few weeks together you know, before the season got underway, there's not been much time for Doc and, you know, the coaching staff to, to do much with Simmons to sort of help him, really. Um, I don't think you could expect Simmons to come in looking like a new player, you know, right away. Obviously, it would be good to see him add some stuff to his game over the off-season, you know, himself. 
that that stuff is a little disappointing. But I do think just seeing a more aggressive Ben at least is something that could happen through the season. And as he sort of develops chemistry with his teammates, you know, knowing where to be and how to play off each other and, you know, how he can cut and things like that. So I think I think things should look up for him and the defence still seems to be elite. So if he's an all-defensive player and the offence comes around a bit to sort of more what we've seen before, at least, even if it's not better, I still think he can probably be an all-star again. I'm going to sell the idea of Ben's an all-star this year. Um, Ooh. I, I think it's going to be difficult because he hasn't really made any measurable improvements on the offensive end. And as good as he is defensively, that's still kind of where people focus when they're looking at all-stars and awards that aren't defensive player of the year. Like offense still gets a outsized impact in people's narratives and opinions when it comes to those things. So if they're looking at Ben and they're saying, well, he hasn't even marketably improved in any area on that side of the court. And I think that kind of weighs on people's minds and they're, they feel a little less favorably about him in that regard. Um, then you look at just, there's only so many slots. Um, yeah, that's I, what I, was I, I, I pulled it up and, you know, Kemba's not going to make it because he's injured, but you have KD and Kyrie who mm-hmm. weren't yeah. on the team last year. They're as long as they stay reasonably healthy, they're both making it. So that's two guys right there. And, you know, you have the other young and up and coming players in the East, uh, like I'm not a Russ guy at all, but he's in the East now and he's Russ averaging does, a tri- triple double. Russ doesn't deserve to make it, but he, he always does. I mean, like <laughs> if you watch the Wizards, his defense is actively killing them in their four losses so far. But again, like you said, I'm not saying he won't. I agree with you. He will definitely make it because of the numbers he puts up. Yeah. I, I would say that would be the one. If say if it comes down to Russ versus Ben for the final spot and Russ gets it, I would be very much okay with Sixers Nation being outraged at that. For sure. Yeah, I'm not saying, like, I didn't think Russ deserved it last year and he made it. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I think he's just the kind of player that, you know, has the, the following and is regarded in some circles as, like, one of the best players in the league still, even though I think we would all agree he's not. And uh, so I'm just mentioning another name that's that's in the in the fray now for – when you're talking about who gets those last couple slots. So, yeah, I mean, Ben's one of the best defenders in the league, but unless he makes a market improvement in some area of his offensive game, whether that's starting to take jumpers just in some capacity or going into contact and getting to the line more then these kind of weird sideways floaters we've seen where he's avoiding contact, like people are looking at that and, it, there's such a strong emphasis placed on offense that that really leaves a bad taste in people's mouths when they're, they're watching Ben's games right now. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying he's not going to have a really good year, but there's, there's only what 12 slots for an all-star game and uh, like to come out of the conference. And I, I don't see him getting one of those. Yeah. I wrote down the list of all the guys in the East who could get it. So just like if we already, you already mentioned Katie and Kyrie, uh, Joel Embiid will probably get an all-star selection as long as his health holds up. So will Giannis. Those are four right away. I put down Trey Young fifth because honestly, Trey, I mean... He's a lock. He's been having an insane season yeah, so far. They're so, <laughs> him and Ben are so different because it's like the exact... All, very different problems for both of them. But it's a sad truth, honestly, that 
offense kind of does matter just a little bit more than defense. If you look at year by year kind of results, teams of top five offenses more often are the probably the best contenders than teams of top five defenses by like points per 100. So I do think there's something to that. But Trey, I mean, Trey has been unbelievable. And he's he's every kid's favorite player. So he's going to win the fan vote. And that's taken into the algorithm of whatever Mm -hmm. they have. Other guys, uh, DeMontis Sabonis is killing it so far this year. If he keeps that up, he's going to get in over Ben. Um, I mean, Jimmy Butler's out right now, but considering how much respect Jimmy Butler won in the public's eye with his performance last year, it would have to be – he would have to have a lot of missed games and some really bad stats to not make it, I'm thinking. I would think similarly, Bam Adebayo is probably making it again. I don't know if – I'm guessing you guys would agree with that. Yeah, um, I'd probably agree with that. Yeah, um, I don't see why I wouldn't. Jason, yeah. Jason Tatum's off to a rough start, but I I think Jason Tatum's probably going to pick it back up. He's still, he's still probably regarded as the Celtics' best player, and as long as they don't fall off a cliff, he'll probably get the, the nod for that. Um, me and Tom have talked multiple times about how we're both Chris Middleton defenders, and I think Middleton's going to have another good season. I think he's playing just fine again as long as the Bucks are – a top team in the East, he's probably going to get that get a spot. He's been their best player the first two weeks of the season. Chris, like Gian- yeah, yeah, Gian- 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 has struggled, and Chris has been one of the most efficient scorers in the league. He's he's looked great. So yeah, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't make it again. The whole appeal of Chris Middleton is that literally everything you do on a basketball court, he's like seventy fifth to eightieth percentile amongst NBA players at doing it. There's like nothing he's just bad at. He's literally significantly above average about everything he does um which leaves us like if we're looking for so i've listed off 10 guys that i think we can agree are all going to be on the all-star team without naming ben simmons which leaves like bradley beal who similar thing to russ i actually would i'd put bradley beal on the all-star team over russ if it was up to me but he's gonna have really great numbers a lot of people know how good brad beal is he'll probably some people want to put him on after he didn't get it last year and a lot of people thought that was wrong um, so that'll probably be another spot up for grabs. Uh, one I still wrote down, even if he doesn't have a great season, coaches love Kyle Lowry and he is very good still. So he could get the spot there. I also wrote down Pascal Siakam, who it's starting to look a little more iffy, whether or not he can make a consecutive all-star appearances, but I mean, still very good if the Raptors get things together and Pascal leads them in scoring, it's be hard to keep him off. Also wanted to throw on there Malcolm Brogdon, who got some consideration on the Pacers last year and is off to another really good start. If the Pacers surprise everybody and are like top three in the East come all-star break, who knows? Maybe Malcolm Brogdon gets a nod. And then that's what we're talking about with Ben. It's, it's going to be hard to get the, one of those spots if he doesn't pick things up. Yeah. Well, now you've – yeah, my initial reaction to that question was thinking, I reckon he'll probably be a pretty similar caliber player to last season. And I could see him improving the aggressiveness a little bit through the season. I could see him making it. But yeah, now you've met, broken down all the candidates. KD and Kyrie, obviously, are two locks. The Nets are going to be a really good team. It's Yeah, it's going to be tougher for him to make. I, I still give him a chance. I don't think he's like out of it. Um, oh, of course he has a chance. And I think he's still a fairly popular player overall. I think he generally does pretty well in the fan vote. Um, I, I don't know where he stands with like coaches and that sort of thing, but... Yeah, it would definitely be a bit trickier for him to make it. There's just a few more, yeah, a couple more locks this year um, than there were before. Um, 
yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. And that's yeah, true, true Holiday, another guy. Oh, yeah. There. Yeah, he's, that's he's a good one. Really well. Yeah, that's true. And uh, yeah, then there's like the bad teams, big scorer guys like uh, Zach Levine and like Colin Sexton has played really well. Is, like is if Zach he's averaging 26 a game, like he's going to get in the conversation. Uh, so, yeah, there's just a lot of different factors and uh, it's going to be hard for Ben. If Zach Levine makes the all-star game over Ben Simmons, I will, <laughs> I will, I don't know what I'll do. I'll break at least one window. Not sure whose window it will be, but there will be a broken window. Because Zach Levine does not help your team win generally. Well, we should mention there is no game this year, so this is yeah. the voting is purely for the award itself and nothing else. So uh... and that actually makes it harder to make the All Star game because in years past, if there was an injury or something, you could kind of get slotted in there. Yeah, don't mm-hmm. make the All Star team. That's not going to matter this year. Yep. So, so it's, it's another point in the uh, cell column for this. Mm-hmm. Also going to be hard to make it once some team in the East trains, trades for James Harden and suddenly he gets the spot. <laughs> oh, well, oh, that, maybe Ben will make it in the West. <laughs> I mean, it's hard. You see, have you seen the West? It's going to be hard to make it in the West. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah. So now I wanted to get to some would you rathers. These are a little more, uh, let's say, hopefully a little more amusing than some of the buy or sells I've had you guys do so far. First one. Would you rather watch Danny Green take a hundred more floaters this season, or watch Furkan Korkmaz take a hundred more floaters this season? Because they're both hideous. I'll, I'll go Korkmaz. Danny Green's in the second decade of his career. It's not happening at this point. Korkmaz, there's at least a little like, oh well, maybe if he continues working on it, it could eventually come around and be a a usable part of his arsenal. Uh, it hasn't looked good, but the only way it could ever look good is you gotta you gotta work on it and, and get the game reps. So maybe there's like a five percent chance that it, it becomes <laughs> something useful. Whereas Danny Green, there, there's there's no hope at this point of his career. So yeah, I, that's a pretty easy cork moss for me. Yeah, that's an easy cork moss for me as well. Same reasons. He's young. He can dribble a little bit more. He Danny at least Green's has a chance of maybe developing it. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, it's not exactly a, a great option either way. I'm thoroughly convinced that the Danny Green left-handed floater he made against the Raptors is the most improbable shot that went in in NBA history. Like, I don't care about any full court shot, any like accidental, like even any backward shot. You could do anything on the court. I would still, Danny Green could shoot that left-handed floater a hundred times more and it's never going in. It was unbelievable that he made that last night. And that, that shot was preceded by Joel getting like triple teamed, losing the ball, having to dive on the floor to grab it. And like while he was prone and all seven foot two of him was laid out on the hardwood, like try to push it and roll it to one of his teammates. And it worked its way over Danny Green. And then he, he put up that lefty floater and it actually went in. It, the whole sequence was something you can never repeat if they tried 200 times if nick nurse watches it like on film today i wouldn't be surprised if he just throws a whiteboard across the room like that's got to be just infuriating when that happens so <laughs> all right so this next would you rather is maybe a little bit darker but i still think pretty funny um would you rather cut off one of your fingers 
or have the Sixers win a title in the next 10 years? Questioning your devotion to the team here. I mean, as someone who is not a lifelong Sixers fan and just writes about the team, I'm definitely going to opt for keeping all my fingers. But I hope for you guys that they win a championship anyway. <laughs> yeah, you, free, you. I don't. I don't know if you phrased that. You said cut off one of your fingers or have the Sixers win a title. I, I guess you meant you cut off one and they win the oh, title, yeah, yeah. Or, or neither of those things yeah. happen. Yeah, sorry, um, that's what I meant. <laughs> yeah, I'm keeping all my digits. Uh, my big, my big thing during the quarantine pandemic period this year has been learning to play guitar. So I, I oh, feel nice. like I, I, I feel like I need all my fingers for that. Otherwise 2020 has been a complete waste. Um, and I, you know, I've had some Philadelphia sports success. I, I, I was in attendance when the Phillies won the world series and uh, the Eagles won within the last few years. So, you know, I'm fine if the Sixers still go without a drought title drought um, over the next decade, I, I, I can still live with that as long as they're competitive and playing well. Um, I, I need my fingers, man. I can't, it's <laughs> not, not a question <laughs> yeah i i honestly agree with you too um because at the end of the day i know we love the sixers they're it's just fun to cover the team we love basketball it is it is still a game at the end of the day and your uh extremities should be more important than that probably so i would say agree that i'll keep my 10 fingers and just hope the sixers can win the title anyways even, even if it doesn't happen Maybe it happens in 11 years and it's worth the wait. But um, <laughs> uh, also, I realized I did not answer the previous one, really. I agree I would take Furkan Korkmaz shooting more floaters. Um, Danny Green shouldn't be allowed to dribble in basketball games more than two times. But I, I agree that keeping the fingers. And here we go. Last one. Would you rather talk like Doc Rivers for the rest of your life? So you have Doc Rivers' voice just the rest of your life. Or... Everywhere you walk, Ben Simmons is guarding you. So just trying to do like normal daily functions, like, I don't know, walk over to a store to get some food. Ben is basically trying to stop you from walking there the whole time. You have to find ways to get around him. That's a uh, easy choice, Doc Rivers' voice, for sure. I'll just be horse the rest of my life. That's, that's fine. At least I can still get around and do stuff. <laughs> yeah, Doc, you know, it's a little hoarse, but there's a certain gravitas to it. Um, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't really have too much of an issue with that with that being my voice. Um, I'm not a very, I know I'm on a weekly podcast, but I'm not a very talkative person in general. So I don't I don't think it would impact my life too much. Would it, infect, and, uh, would it affect the quality of the podcast, though? I think it would help. I think I think I think <laughs> yeah. people people would be like, wow. This podcast has a co-host who sounds exactly like the coach of the team he covers. That's what a weird quirk. Um, and more people would tune in, I think. So uh, I think it could only help. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get around, man. I don't, I don't need I don't need bed in my grill 24-7. I'm actually going <laughs> to disagree with you guys here, and here's why. So first of all, thinking about it like this, if Ben Simmons is guarding me the rest of my life, I technically am hanging out with Ben Simmons the rest of my life, which is a pretty cool guy to have around. He's a celebrity. So that's already pretty cool. And it's when I'm walking. So when I'm just sitting down, he's still got to be in the area to guard me. So again, I can just kind of hang out with Ben Simmons sometimes, which is pretty cool. So I think I'm, I'm like weighing the trade-offs. I think I'm viewing Ben Simmons guarding me as an opportunity. Like, 
And plus, you know, you be guarded, you're guarded by a guy that good for so long, you're going to get better at like getting around people or getting, <laughs> getting around stuff. Like I have to figure out solutions here. I'm a competitor. I'll figure it out. Well, two things. One, the Sixers are losing Ben Simmons in this scenario for nothing. Oh, shoot. That's oh, wait, so I you're, that, you're I, at home watching the game. Ben Simmons is not out at the, the Wells Fargo Center playing for your Sixers because he's having to make sure he's he's on you in case you get up and go to the fridge. So, <laughs> so, so that's a problem. Um, and yeah, it'd be good to like improve in your getting around period, like, like skills or whatever. But in your scenario here, Simmons is always on you. So there's never a situation where you're like, oh man, I finally have this lesser person guarding me as I try to go get the mail. It's always going to be Ben. So it's, it's not like you can ever capitalize on your improved skills and like really dunk on somebody else trying to stop you from doing something. That's a good point. Maybe in this scenario, it's a Ben Simmons clone. I don't know if that makes it better or not. <laughs> Maybe the Doc Rivers voice is the right choice. I, I, just, I just think there's a more, I, I guess I'll agree with you guys that going with Doc Rivers voice the rest of my life is better. Although I think the, Ben Simmons guarding me option is at least a little more desirable than you guys made it out to be. That's all I'll say, but you know, <laughs> uh, that's about all for now. Um, so any other big thoughts on the Sixers after watching a week of their play, any big takeaways you've had from just like, like what you're, if you had to say one overarching thought on the Sixers so place thus far, what would it be? I think we've probably covered a lot of where I stand on the team, like, you know, we talked about the defense, some of the offensive stuff. I think, I th still think they're going to be a good team. I know they've got off to a bit of a shaky start, at least prior to the Raptors game. And, you know, people that have their doubts, you know, many of which are, are fair enough. I still think they can be a good team. I think I'm probably standing that they can be the fourth seed and I could probably see them making the second round. But any playoff series they have is going to be tough. Um, I think they can be good and I think the offense is going to improve, but they still don't have, you know, the perimeter creation that they need to really be a contender. So I think they can have a good season, but I'm not, you know, envisioning some kind of jump uh, to contention status anytime soon. But I think things will go up and, you know, if Embiid's playing like an MVP candidate, then that's that's always fun too. Yeah, I'd have a similar takeaway. They, I talked about this handful of times prior to the season, but they need that half court creator, um, not only for when things bog down during the regular season, but in the playoffs, that's essential. You know, they had it in Butler, but aside from his brief stay in Philadelphia, they haven't had it in recent history. So that's pretty crucial to being a, a title contender in the league right now. And they don't have it. Um, and one of the paths was Ben evolving his game. And we've seen zero signs of that. So in a sense, I'm a little less optimistic than when I started the season, because at least prior to that, I, I kind of still had a small degree of hope that Ben would continue adding to his game and, and evolve in that direction, but that hasn't been the case. So yeah, it's pretty much what Tom said. I, I feel like they're, they're going to be a good, not great team and it's going to be up to Daryl to continue working the margins and get them to a place where they have a little more flexibility and 
able to pounce if an opportunity does present itself sometime in the future to get a guy like that. Death taxes and convincing oneself that Ben Simmons made offensive improvements in the off season. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I similar to what you guys said, the gap between Joel and Ben has seemingly widened in terms of, I mean, Joel is he, I don't know how much better you can play than what Joel is doing right now. Whereas Ben, we all kind of agree as most Sixers fans do, we're a little underwhelmed. It's not that he isn't good, but we already knew your defense was the strong suit of your game that kept up. Your offense is basically the same. And all I can think about is more like, man, say they traded Ben and a few assets for James Harden. If they actually pulled it off. If you look at how James Harden's playing right now on a Rockets team, that's shorthanded, it's kind of hard not to think like they get James Harden. It's one of them, the nets or the bucks coming out of the East and the Sixers would definitely have a chance with, James Harden playing as well as he is, Joel Embiid playing as well as he is, that would just be an awesome team. It's the truth. (laughs) Yeah, I think, I know, yeah. I mean, Harden's been such a massive topic of discussion for a while now. Um, (laughs) And I've honestly found it a little tiring, um, just the constant Harden stuff. And also, we don't know where he's going to go. Like, at the moment, I've kind of reached a point where I'm happy just watching basketball again and when Harden gets traded we'll you know discuss it to no end um but yeah right yeah right now you can't really argue with trading Ben Simmons for James Harden I just think it would make them I mean it just solves that perimeter creation issue doesn't it I mean he's an MVP candidate and Ben is kind of what we've seen so far you know his yeah exactly Harden's an MVP a perennial MVP candidate um he solves their issues and he boosts their ceiling right away. Um, I've always said, you know, if you can get Harden and, you know, it does require Ben, you do it. Um, if that happens, then that that changes their season. But I think right now, you know, I'm not expecting a Harden trade just yet. I feel like it is going to drag out a little bit. I think teams kind of want to see what they have. And if Houston is happy, you know, holding on to Harden for now, waiting until they get their sort of dream trade package or you know if they think they can hang on to him a little longer and just see how things shake out um then it looks like it could take a bit of time but right now I think the Sixers are kind of just like we've said they're a good team they're more fun than last season they have some shooters um if Simmons is the same player that's kind of disappointing but I still think it's early you know we might see some improvement from the team overall you know it's going to take a bit of time but you know, a good fun team is still something. I think the thing is still better than last season, at least. So hopefully, you know, fans can enjoy that. Um, and then if they do get hardened, then yeah, we can start talking about them actually being a contender at that point. I'm surprised the businesses along the Boulevard corridor haven't started putting up the hardened billboards because <laughs> that would just re- re- revitalize the industry for uh, show and tell and cheerleaders and the rest. Um but yeah, I don't, I'm kind of indifferent about the whole Harden thing. It's definitely would improve the team's chances of winning a title, but I'm just not super fond of watching how he goes about being one of the most efficient players in the league. It's just not an aesthetically pleasing experience for me. Nor is Ben, but at least Ben provides the kind of elite defensive stuff that is a pleasure to watch. Um, and, and with Ben, you have the 
this is a homegrown guy who you had and feels like he's part of everything that was built here. Um, there's that aspect of it too. So yeah, I'm, uh, either way, I, I, I can get on board with either path the organization decides to go if that does come to fruition. Um, but yeah, just, just not having three guys all trying to like fight for who can post up on a given possession every time down the court is better. So uh, I, I feel like fans will definitely enjoy this season a lot more than they did last season. And uh, that's all we really want. We just want to have fun watching basketball four times a week since we've kind of committed to doing that. It might as well be a fun experience. So uh, that, that's a lot better than it was last year, I think. Don't worry, Sixers fans. No matter whether you have James Harden or Ben Simmons, the aesthetics of your game will still not be great. <laughs> um, without looking it up, how many, how many more points per game do you think James Harden is averaging right now? How many more points per game is he averaging than Ben Simmons? 18. I'm going to say, oh, man, I, I've not even looked at either of their preseason yeah, averages after all their games. I'm going to say 21. That might be way off, but yeah. Tom is, 21. Tom is closer. Ben's currently averaging around 14 points per game. James Harden's averaging 39 points per game. It's a 25-point difference. Wow. Yeah, a, well, points per that game. Forty-four not, point game. I should have. And yeah, yeah, he sat out. He yeah. sat out a couple. So yeah. Points per game is not the end all be all of player evaluation. It's much more important your scoring rate and other things you do on the court just to create jumpers for other people, create shots, create looks. That's still really, that's a really big gap. And like you said, um, Tom, you kept saying how James Harden is a perennial MVP candidate. And we already agreed earlier in this podcast that right now Joel is playing like a top five MVP candidate. Wasn't that kind of the formula for the Lakers? Not in the same, you know, stylistic sense, but you have two of the league's best players, two players who could win MVP. And as long as the cast of players around them, like aren't actively hurting your team, it is really hard to beat a team when you have two incredible players like that. So I mean, like, would you, off the top of my head, like, would you guys say that James Harden and Joel Embiid would immediately be the league's second best duo behind LeBron and AD? Yeah, you got two mm. top 10 guys. Yeah. It's hard to argue with that. Uh, yeah. I mean, the other one that comes to mind is Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, probably. I just think, yeah. I mean, that, that was the first thought in my head as well. You know, KD is at his best, is, you know, better than those other guys. But I think the, the Kyrie element sort of lets you down a little bit so I think if we're talking the overall package of Embiid and Harden I'd probably say they're they're over KD and Kyrie for me although it's fair to say right now Kyrie is playing out of his mind to start the season yeah he, he's been incredible that yeah. like me and Sean's take that the Nets will win the East does look better every day even if they did lose those two games and Din Dinwiddie got injured I still think they're very very good yeah as long as those guys are healthy I have no reason to waver from that take all right so that's probably going to wrap it up for us here today um huge thanks to tom for coming on the show with us tom does an incredible job covering the sixers for the site just always great stuff uh tom you got anything to plug uh no not at the moment just uh yeah like all of our stuff you can find my everything i do at libertyballers.com uh, and then on twitter at tom west nba but yeah that's all all right, Sean, we will talk next week and it'll be finally it will be not 2020, which should hopefully be a joyous occasion for us all. That, that's right. Um, 
yeah, thanks again to Tom for jumping on. Um, Between the Crown, Great British Baking Show, which you guys call Bake Off. People yeah. <laughs> love all things UK over here. So I'm ex expecting a, a similar bump from our, uh, our UK engagement on this one. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to everybody in 2021, which uh, I'm sure everyone is very much looking forward to. So till next week, guys. No, knowing that just just knowing alone that they get to hear Tom's voice on this pod will probably like boost our listenership by a, a good margin. <laughs> I don't know why some people love English accents so much, but if I can help your guys' podcast numbers, uh, I'm happy to help. But yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. All right. Great talking to you, Tom. Great talking to you again, Sean. And see you guys all next week. Thanks for listening to the show.